Amen. Let's stand all over the house this evening. Welcome to church this evening and CLM graduation. Let's sing this old hymn of the church, Victory in Jesus.
Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to come before you tonight, Lord, to worship you, to lift you up, Lord, to sing songs of your glory. Lord, I pray that you will be with all of these that are here tonight, Lord, who are coming to recognize a tremendous opportunity that has happened with these two people graduating, Lord, from the Tough program. Pray that you will continue to keep your hand on them, bless them, keep them, Lord, lift them up and strengthen them. And all of us that are here in attendance, Lord, help us to pray for them and help them to lift them up and keep them. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Will you take the next two minutes or so and greet those around you in the Lord during this time? way back we're going to ask the worship team to come back before we jump back into our graduating services we're going to sing another worship song with you we're going to ask you to stand all over the house one more time you'll get to sit for a while when the graduation starts but let's just sing together this evening Oh, only 
of the Lord tonight. Brother Tommy is going to come at this time to lead us in our graduation ceremonies.
welcome everybody to tonight's ceremony, graduation ceremony, CLM. My name is Tommy Turpin, and I'm the uh, Community Relations Director for Change Lives Ministries, and I'm excited, as usual. I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank Santee Circle Church of God and Pastor Jonathan and all our praise and worship. Give them a round of applause for that praise and worship. Amen. That's what. Well, you know, sometimes you can walk in not feeling all rah, 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 and you get some praise and worship music in you, and that'll change your tune, won't it? Y'all did a great job. Thank you. So tonight I want to start off by just thanking some of the people uh, that are help us at Change Lives Ministries, our, our board of directors, of course, our advisory team who uh, come alongside the women. I want to thank the uh, counselors that we have. Is Dr. Richard Reed in the house? Is he here tonight? Oh, they're on vacation. I'm sorry. Um, we're grateful to them to help our men and women with struggles they're going through. Uh, we also have CLM Resale Store. Mike, Lisa, Miss Kim, y'all here? Give them a round of applause right there. And there's many others that if I tried to mention all their names, I'd forget and then I'd feel bad and y'all not like me as much. So thank you to all the volunteers who help out there in everything you do. And I want to thank everybody else that comes alongside of us with their prayers, um, financial contributions, gifts, time, talents, the men and women that do our devotions. Who, who we got the, Raise your hand if you do that. Devotion guys. Women, devotion. Give them a round of applause. That's exciting to me to see uh, men and women that are willing to spend time with our uh, men and women who are struggling with drugs and alcohol. So, again, I I am excited. I do get excited. You know why I get excited? Because I love the Lord. Anybody else? Uh, You like to serve the Lord? All right. Let me hear that because I'm going to tell you something real quick. says this, Paul speaking, Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, Danny, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So I am excited. I get to serve the Lord. And guess what? I'm going to tell you something real quick. I was going to hell and now I'm not. And now I'm going to spend eternity in glory. And with anybody else in this room, that is going to Surrender their life to the Lord. Like you'll hear tonight are men and women that have gone through this program, have surrendered their lives to the Lord. The Lord delivered them from a life of drugs and alcohol. I myself went through the program six years ago. We know how devastating this can be in our families, but for the individual going through, they come through, they see no help, no hope, no future, if you're anything like me. But, When I got to CLM, I realized there is hope. Jesus Christ. That's all. Our hope is built on nothing less than redeemed blood and righteousness. So now there is hope. And it's all on Jesus. Nothing we do without Jesus. When we come here for 13 weeks, we are faith-based. We are Show our men and women how to pray, how to study the word of God. We love them. We 
empathize with them. We can sympathize. And, and, and our staff are one of the things as well because that, that, they, they give so freely of their, of their time and their lives to understand what it's like to be where they're at. And through their example, others can see that there is hope in this. So that again gets me excited. I was rescued, redeemed, and regenerated from a 30-year life of addiction, self-inflicted bondage, delivered. Our verse says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, and the new is here. We believe that. Do y'all believe that? So if you're struggling with, it don't have to be drugs or alcohol. You got a tag somehow. You have an addiction. Put your name there. Surrender your life to Christ and see what the Lord can do in your life. He promises abundant life. Not a life without problems. I'll be the first to tell you. But an abundant life. See, I was set free. I can look around this room and see a bunch of people that have been set free through this genuine, personal, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Spiritually bankrupt when I got here. Anyone else? Anyone else? Spiritually bankrupt. That means nothing left in the tank. But God never gave up on me or our men and women. That's a little of my story. But we get to see that happen every day at Dave Life. In the lives of men and women, they come in hopeless, they come in broken, and they come in desperate. And we get to see them healed, restored, regenerated, reconciled. Christ breathed life into my soul, and we've watched these men and women go out godly husbands, godly sons, godly brothers. I got a million stories I could tell you, but that's what happens at Dave Live Ministries. Another reason I get excited. <clears throat> this evening, we're going to have an opportunity to, to, to hear and witness what Jesus Christ can do in a person's life when they surrender and, and, and turn from that lifestyle and um, go forward. But we believe that you can have a new life at Change Lives Ministries. Amen. We're built on the foundation of God's word, prayer, service, and dying to self on a daily basis. The Lord can do wonderful things that you have no idea in your life. We believe you can be a regenerated man or woman. It's part of the solution rather than the problem. Our staff comes back. They give back. We have men and women in the community that help out. They serve. They have businesses. They have families. That's exciting. We don't charge our men and women a fee to come to Change Lives Ministries. That was exciting for me because I didn't have no money or insurance or no family want to help me out. They want me to get out but not help me out. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So tonight, it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to be a part of this. Worship with you, serve the Lord with you, and just be brothers and sisters in Christ.
this morning. And Tim, my brother, would you, oh, who's, uh, Miss Barbara, would you come up and introduce Bonnie? There you go. Barbara Skelton, and uh, I am the manager of the Women's Transition House, so I'm going to be introducing Bonnie tonight, because tonight she gets to come on with me, and um, when she came in, she was very quiet, she was very hurt, um, and she has overcome so much in her time with us. She's grown in her knowledge of God's word and in how to apply it to different situations in life. She readily participates now and encourages others, and it's such a blessing. And so, Bonnie, I have these words for you from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So come on up, Bonnie. physically 
a beating, with head injuries, mentally and emotionally abused by my ex-husband, two head-on collisions with head injuries. This led to my addiction with painkillers and other prescription drugs. I tried to hide it from everyone and block it out of my mind, but it didn't work. During this time, when I thought no one would ever know, my mom was went, went into the hospital, uh, rest home with Parkinson's disease and getting worse and worse. She had already had breast cancer. My dad had already had open heart surgery and had colon cancer and now having heart issues. Then the past year, myself breaking my foot and being told that I could lose my foot and having had surgery, which left me with plates and screws holding it together and not being able to work for a year, that sent me in a state of depression. And then on top of that, my other best friend committed suicide December 2022. I just couldn't handle the pain anymore. I came to the place on January 25th of 2023. I saw no other way out of my misery that I was feeling for all these years, so I decided to kill myself that day. I didn't realize what it would do to my family or my kids, nor did I care. I just wanted the pain to stop. Three days later, I woke up in the hospital not remembering any of it, nor do I remember taking the pills. Psalms 23:4. Even I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are always close beside me. I called my son that day, and this is when it gets really real for me. He said, Mom, if you ever do this again, lose my number. I will never, ever have anything else to do with you ever again. I asked him what he was talking about because when I took the drugs, I thought it just left. I would have the blackout periods, and I had no clue what happened, what I did. This woke me up, and that knife went through, straight through my heart. And he said that his sister was on the same page that he was on. After we hung up, I called my daughter, and she said, Mom, if you do this again, I'm not going to have anything else to do with you either. She also said that she would not ha let the kids, my grandkids, have anything to do with me either. My grandkids were 12 and 16. Then she pushed the knife even further deeper into my heart. She said, Mom, do you remember your best friend who had just committed suicide? How angry, mad, hurt, and the questions you have, why they didn't call you? Well, Mom, you just did that to Christopher and I, but you lived through it, Mom. We're both hurt, mad, angry, Mom. We want our mom back. How could you do this to us, Mom, and leave us knowing that we love you? And you're always telling us just how much you love us, too. How could you do this to us, Mom? Go get help, Mom. Boy, what was a, boy, what a wake-up call. So I finished out my time at the hospital, and both kids knew that their mom was in a dark pit of, pit of despair and couldn't get out unless I got help, and they needed and wanted to help me. They knew that I wouldn't not only lose my life, but I'd lose the relationship with them and my grandkids. I don't want to lose another child. I've already lost one. I don't want to hurt my family or my friends anymore. So my kids went to work and found Changed Lives Ministry. They set everything up, and on so 
Sunday in February 2023, I drove from North Carolina to South Carolina to start my new life free from addiction. I've never been arrested or in jail, so when my kids asked me if I would agree to go, I agreed. Well, it's been a big shock, I'm not going to lie. Having everything taken away from me, your phone, your wallet, your money, your car. You can't go on walks or go to the store. You have to go to bed at a certain time, etc. After being on your own since you were 19, I was like, are you serious? That took some really getting used to. Having to get up at 5.30 a.m. and be ready for the day, a very busy day till 8 p.m. for 13 weeks. My emotions have been on a roller coaster. Uh, ride. Everyone in the program can tell you, we all experience emotions that we haven't had in a very long time. And for the laughter, smile, tears of joy, hugs that everybody shares with us, whether we're at home just with the girls, with Mickey, Barbara, Alyssa, Amber, Jenny, and Jerry with his laughter, or at the store with Lisa, Mike, Mikey, Becky, Billy, Steve, Matt, or at church with Pastor Chris, Alyssa, Tammy, uh, Leanna and Mateo, everyone that comes up to us at church with their big hugs and smiles, welcome us there. I've grown, grown so much while I'm there. I'm planning on spending more and more time reading God's word and meditating on his word, and it's helped me to get back to me again. It's still a long process, and that's continuing to grow. There's so much more to learn. Corinthians 5.17, this means... That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life begins. The movies we watch and the documentaries along with the pastors and mentors that have come to the Change Lives Ministry have been inspiring to me. Thank you to all. Romans 1 and 2, I want to be a living sacrifice to God and not conform to the world. I plan to go to the transition home to grow even more in my faith for the walk of Christ. Lastly, I close. The light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. Whatever I am, God is.
can't say no to his cooking. So I really have enjoyed it. But, but that, that's how he loves. He serves. Um, not only that, but he worked very hard at the retail store when he was there. And he also helped us uh, with our trailer, uh, getting our trailer ready and a lot of hard work over there at the, at the property. Um, so, so he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, I just praise the Lord for. Um, one of the things that I'll share very quickly before I call him up is something that brought tears to my eyes yesterday. His son uh, and his son's fiance were able to come out um, yesterday afternoon for visitation. And his son is a praise and worship leader um, at a church. And so his son brought his guitar and his speaker um, and hooked it up on our back porch. And um, he just played for about an hour that Norris provided for us. We were able just to sit back and praise and worship together. So you can see the reconciliation and restoration that God has done by having Jason's son probably, I believe, for the first time praising and worshiping the Lord together. And that's a work uh, that can only be done by Jesus. Uh, and so it was a beautiful thing to be able uh, to see how God was moving in him and in the life of his family. Uh, so before I even go any further, Jason, come on up and share your testimony. Jason Benny. Oh, do I got to pull out my glasses, huh? <laughs> my name is Jason Benny, and today I'm a new creation. I want to start out by saying that I was here at Change Lives Ministry about 10 years ago, broken and trying to find a solution to my problems. Proverbs 23:29 states, Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Proverbs 23, 35 states, And you will say, They hit me. I didn't even feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I, <coughs> excuse me. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? This evil was inside me, taking a piece of me every day. So I came to CLM and worked hard at the program. By the time I finished the program, I felt great. I thought God had taken this evil from me. So I thought I would be faithful to God by being a good worker, brother, son, father. In my testimony, I said I was a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and that I will put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6.10. Unfortunately, I didn't stay faithful. I fell several times, and rehab's got to be a way to get sober. Needless to say, I lost family members' trust, ruined relationships, lost great jobs, pushed my kids away. I have three children, a son, Jacob, two daughters, Anna Morgan and Natalie. In my selfishness, I had given up hope that I could live like a live a normal life like others, growing through life doing whatever I wanted to do. Doing this, there were jails and isolations. Living, like, living life like that led me away from my girls. I haven't spoken or seen my girls in seven years. Natalie is now 18, Andrew Morgan is 26. Thankfully, my son Jacob has never given up on me. He has been a rock that has, been, that has held me up from drowning. The day finally came when I had to put out the snorkel to keep me from drowning. In desperation, I called Jacob and said, I need help. He took me to MUSC and the doctor admitted me there to detox. While in there, I spoke to a counselor and he had a list of places for me to go. Going through the list, I saw CLM and thought I should try it again. 
Luckily, by God's grace, there was an opening. To my amazement, I arrived there, and there was a brand-new facility. Yep, no double-wide trailer, no bump beds with ten guys in the room. I was welcomed with love and open arms. For the first few weeks, my mind was tempting me to leave, but I knew there wasn't anything out there except for the devil. Working the program, learning scriptures, listening to devotions, and most of all, being loved on. CLM was a lot different from what I had remembered. I realized I was being taught the word of God instead of just reading the Bible and going through the motions. There were more people helping me go through the program. You would hear phrases like, I'm here to walk this out with you, and brother, I love you. These words were coming from people I didn't even know. The teaching was incredible. I was motiv- it was motivating me to learn how I could live through Jesus Christ. A slide opened up in the kitchen, and I was asked to fill the spot. I gladly said yes, because that gave me a way to serve others and to help me keep my mind focused on the Lord and not out there in the world. I guess it was God's way of telling me, I got you. Trust me. I was learning how God can reconcile me and restore me with uh, the ones I have hurt, especially my daughters. It seemed like every lesson I read or listened to related to the topics of the day. Reading Proverbs every day of the month and picking a verse that meant something to me was showing the growth that I was making. That was encouraging me that God's listening to my prayers, my quiet times, was being heard. So now it's time for me to put into practice what I had learned, but still staying into the into God's word. First Thessalonians five five six states, For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and the night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear headed. After the program I plan to stay connected to the CLM family. I have found out that I'm going to be staying on at the ministry at this time and going to work. I want to thank all the people that has helped me become a new creation in Christ. The volunteers, staff, pastors, community, my CLM brothers, and Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. I, don't want to, I do want to give a special thanks to Caleb Carter for giving me his ear, encouraging me, praying with me, giving me his smile and laughter. This testimony in itself has given me hope that I can become a better person through Jesus Christ. Genesis 21.6, and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. I also want to give a special thanks to Matthew Bryant. For working at the retail store, I got to know him. He would always have a good things to say by encouraging me and using his testimony to relate to the situations that I had. Always saying, I just want you to be better. Meaning, don't let the world consume you again. Hebrews 13.7 Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Thank all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of their faith. To my CLM brothers, come get those hugs, fellas. Thank you. I love each and one. Second Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Where God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you.
going to read the certificate of completion. The cert certificate of completion for Bonnie and Jason. They have both successfully completed the 13-week Christian rehabilitation program of Change Lives Ministries. They attended Bible classes, studying scriptural boundaries of basic Christian doctrine, and have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have performed all duties and assignments required in a structured environment and displayed a Christ-like attitude towards their peers while attending this facility. We therefore recognize their accomplishments by presenting this certificate of recognition on this 21st day of May 2023. Congratulations. Thank you both. Um, I would like to introduce our uh, assistant director to come up and share the uh, egg presentation. Steve Meadows, give him a round of applause. That's, a, that's about the fourth hug she's gotten from me. It's, it, I asked for the privilege of doing the egg ceremony tonight because for me this is really important. This is where I'm going to ask you tonight to become a part of the journey of these two graduates. This egg represents many things. The outer shell is what CLM is. We provide a protected place for our residents to come where they can be loved on, hugged on, taught, and they can experience God in a way that they've never experienced Him before. So inside this egg is the embryo, which represents the resident. But the majority of the egg starts off with the nutrients that help that embryo to grow until it's time to hatch. That represents you. Everybody who prays for us, is a part of us, everyone who has given a hug, a word of encouragement, or money, which God can give us all the money he wants, but it's you because of your love. You fed and nurtured our residents until tonight where they hatch out. Now, when you hatch out, you can hatch out as a chicken which if you're a Carolina fan is an awesome bird. But I have some chickens. I have a rooster that crows at 3.30 in the morning. They're supposed to crow when the sun comes up, you know, everything, but he's not that smart. He wants to think that he's this majestic bird, but when I go to feed him, I'm feeding him, and he runs from me. He doesn't trust me. So you can be that bird. You can sit there and you can make all the noise you want and be ferocious and run from every challenge. Or you can hatch out and be an eagle. I've had dealings with eagles. They do not back down. I was in a canoe and saw an eagle wanted to get closer. That thing strutted towards me like it was going to kick my butt. I knew that that bird was a bird of courage and valor, and it was ferocious. I encourage both of you to hatch out and soar on the wings of eagles. An eagle can soar 10,000 feet. An eagle can go from gliding along. 90% of the time it soars on its wings. Only 10% of the time does it flap its wings. Think about that. Soar with God and you will be rested. 
And when the time comes, you can go from soaring to diving down and catching a fish or a squirrel. You can do that. You can, you can dive down into what God wants you to do and grab hold of it. So I encourage you to soar like an eagle, be ferocious like an eagle, be courageous like an eagle. So each resident will have an egg. I'm going to ask that you would initial it if you'll agree that when when Lord lays it on your heart, you'll pray for them. I want the resident. This would be the. I wanted you to put this where this is the first thing you see in the morning, the last thing you see at night. If you're having a bad day, I want you to grab this egg and say, Lord, put me in the hearts of the people who have signed this egg. I need them. And we will be faithful to pray for you because we're making a commitment with you. But when you're having a good day, you pick up this egg and you pray for us because we have bad days too and we don't know when they're going to be. So it's a two-way street. There's yours. There's yours. Don't forget to sign this egg. This egg, both graduates will sign. We'll put it in the basket of the men's ministry next graduation and we're going to have a separate egg for the ladies because I want them to start building up their own basket so the residents can look into this basket and they can see those that have gone before them. We went from a little basket to a big basket, and now at the men's ministry there's a showcase of, of eggs that represent those who have graduated. And it's a reminder to those who are going through the program of those who have gone before them and the great things they have done. I'm proud of y'all. One more hand for the graduate. Thank you guys. Thank you for uh, all of your hard work these past 13 weeks. It's been a pleasure to get to know you, and we'll continue to pray for you in your new journey. And now it is an awesome privilege of mine to introduce somebody who gets to uh, who spends a lot of time with me, and y'all know me kind of a lot. Hang around. He does it very generously with his time, and he helps me out. So it's a pleasure to introduce Pastor Jonathan Vaughn. Let's stand together. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. Oh, you're never gonna let me down. Oh, you're never gonna let me down. 
to us, church. Amen. Oh, you can be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. Before I give here just a moment the clarion call and the invitation for um, the CLM graduation commencement services, I always tell folks, whether it's at a high school graduation or a service similar to this, that uh, anytime the Lord gives me the opportunity to have a platform to speak before an audience, somewhere in that platform, Jesus is going to be mentioned at least once. If you don't like that, then, well, you came to the wrong graduation service. You came to church. I don't know what, what churches everyone here is represented, but on our church sign it says, Zanti Circle Church of God, but the word is church. I came to church. Yes, I know I came to graduation, but I came to church. Critical aspect that I uh, feel today in my heart is that Commencement ceremonies are wonderful, they're beautiful, you want to give all the charge to the graduates, but I often have realized in my short time here on earth that the graduates go out and change the world, but what about all the people sitting in the hot sun baking to see them graduate? What about those people? What is the charge for them? What is the encouragement for them? One of the things I love about the gospel and what I love about the Bible is it's not for just one group of people, it's for everybody. You go to high school graduations, only the graduates in cap and gowns are the people that are getting recognized. But when you come to something like CLN's graduation, yeah, we have people that we honor and recognize for their accomplishments, but we're all going to the same place. We're all headed to the same location. And until Jesus calls us home, we're all working in the same fields. We're trying to win people to Jesus Christ, one life at a time. And so I just want to take a few moments today, and I want to encourage you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the, Deut the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter number 29, Deuteronomy chapter number 29. A couple, many years, a couple years ago, I had the privilege of coaching a high school basketball team, and the yearbook staff asked me would I give them my favorite Bible verse. And for the longest time, uh, I didn't have one, and, and it ended up becoming the my favorite became the out of the writing of Peter, where it says, "Always be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you," and basically give a defense for what it was. And then I found this verse, and so now I have favorite verse 1 and favorite verse 2. And I just kind of assign them different ways. And here's why I love this verse. It says the secret things, things I don't understand. They belong to God. But things that He chooses for me to know, they belong to me, to my children, forever. That we may do all the words of this law. Now this is Moses obviously talking and summarizing the Mosaic law. But I love that he's basically said, you're not going to always understand God. And God's not always going to tell you everything. But what he does tell you to do, just do that and you'll be all right. And I started thinking about that. And I want to ponder this thought here just for a few moments. And I want you to humor me before you write me off the, the payroll here and don't hear what I have to say. I want you to hear what I believe the Lord wants to speak. You know, there are some things God doesn't know. Now, before you go, that's not true, Pastor. Many theologians have said God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. That may be true. But I do want to take a few minutes and kind of just change your thought for just a moment that there are a few things God may not know. Let me pray for you. Lord, bless this word that I'm going to speak to the people of God. Let it be an encouragement to the graduates. 
Lord, to the changed lives in this place. And Lord, if there's someone here today whose life is not changed, let it by the end of this message and presentation, let their life be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And for that, I give you the praise, glory, and honor and commit all of this into your loving arms and hands. Christ Jesus, our Lord, and the people of God together said amen. 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 Just for a few moments, I want to kind of make you think for a minute. What if there were things God didn't know? You say, well, pastor, that's, that's not biblical. The Bible says that he knows all things, the end from the beginning. You're trying to twist scripture. Just, just wait with me. Because the reality is life is full of challenges. Daily we discover something new. Brother James brought to our attention that he... He had been through something like CLM and thought he had figured it out on his own. And then when the world hit and he got back into modern you know, culture and back into the, the way of life and getting in the swing of things, he realized, I may have heard about God, but I haven't known about God yet. There is a difference. There's a lot of people in this world, they know God, they just don't know about, I mean, they know about God, they just don't have a relationship and know God. And there are many things in our lives that, we like all the details. We want to know what the roadmap is, where we're going, where's the pit stop, where are we staying, what restaurants are we eating at. And some folks, they don't care if they know anything at all. They're just flying by the seat of their pants. They're just blowing with the wind. They don't care if you tell them anything. Just let me know when we get there. I'm a very detailed person. I like to know where we're going, what we're doing, how long we're going to be staying there, what time are we coming home. I'm a, I'm a planner. My wife, on the other hand, while she is very detailed, there are times she just kicks back in the seat. She grabs her pillow. She falls asleep and says, wake me up when i got to get out the car. That's how she travels. Because it doesn't matter what the road map is to her. In that moment, what matters is just getting to the destination. I want to tell you today that there are things in our lives we're going to know. There are going to be things in our lives God may not choose to ever tell us this side of heaven. We won't know. Why do people get cancer? I don't know. We may never know that till we get to heaven. Why do young babies pass away? Why is there premature babies? Why, why are there people that lose their lives unexpectedly early in their life or, or maybe too, as we call it, too young to die? I don't know. Why does God let some people stay who are like the devil's stepchildren and people that are angelic go to heaven? I don't know. I wish God asked me. I have a list of people he could take first. They don't go to my church, y'all. They don't go to my church. They just, they don't. None of them are at my church. They may go to somebody else's church, but not mine. But the reality is there's things we don't know. There's a few things that God doesn't know. Now, I want you to hear me here. I have come to the realization that God doesn't know a life he can't love. There's never been one person in human history that God ever looked down from heaven and says, I don't love them. Never. In fact, the Bible says... That even when I rejected him, he longed for me to accept him. Even when I said I want nothing to do with the man, even when my life said crucify him, have nothing to do, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He gives us this picture. In fact, John 3.16, the most beloved scripture of all time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't say everybody would accept his son, but he gave him just in case somebody wanted his son. God's love isn't for a chosen few. It's for every person. The reality is we must make the choice whether we accept Him or deny Him, to receive Him or to reject Him. 
His, God's love is not conditional. You can't make God love you more, and you can't stop God from loving you any less. The Bible says, what can separate me from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. You can be the worst sinner of all time, and God's going to love you. You can never sin a day in your life and feel like you're the greatest saint of God there ever was. You cannot change that God loves you either way. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've walked through. You don't know the decisions i made. I don't care because God loves you just the same. Amen. And the Bible says I'm supposed to do likewise. Amen. He's never met a life he couldn't love. He doesn't wait for you to cross a certain line. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone... Who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love must not know God because God is love. It's His very nature. It's who He is. Can I tell you, Jesus allowed people to belong even before they believed. Every sinner He met, He loved them before He saved them. Can I tell you, He gave them hope before He rescued them. I think about the story of John 4 of the woman at Samaria. Jesus didn't crucify her when he got there. He first asked her, was she thirsty too? He met her where she was. He said, I'm thirsty. Are you thirsty? Because if you're thirsty, I could give you a drink from the rivers and the wells of living water. You'll never thirst again. She said, now that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. That's good stuff. Then Jesus taught her how to change her life. I did learn, though, there is something else that the Lord cannot do. Not only can, there does he not know a life that he can't love, the Lord doesn't know a soul he can't save. There's never been one person in human history that the devil had such a stronghold on their life that God couldn't have got him out of that if they would have been willing to let go of the devil. I have never met one person that said, God left me and he didn't want me. No, 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 honey. No, 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 that's not scriptural. You didn't want God and that's why. He removed his spirit from you. There's not been one person that cried out, Lord, Lord. There's not been one person that said, I'm in need of a Savior. Jesus, come say. There's not been one person that wanted God. And God said, no, I can't take you. We're full. Now, when Jesus was in Bethlehem being ready to be born, oh, the innkeeper said there's no room in the inn. But can I tell you, heaven doesn't have a vacancy policy. Heaven doesn't have there's no more room available. In fact, there is not enough spots in heaven that are being filled right now. Heaven is surely worth it all. There are plenty of reservations. The only way you go to heaven is by knowing Jesus. But the only way you don't go to heaven is you chose not to accept Jesus. You didn't go to hell because Jesus didn't save you, you went to hell because you chose for Jesus not to save you. He's already made a way for you where there seemed to be no way. You chose not to accept the way. John 3:17. God did not send in His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jeremiah 3, 14 and 15 lets us know God has married Himself to the backslidden one, meaning even the sinner, God says, I'm still married to them if they'd come back home. It's easy to look around and see people in need. It's often more difficult to look within and so much easier to look without. Can I tell you, God doesn't discriminate on external factors. There is not a, a rubric or something that determines whether a soul can be saved or not. The choice lies within the heart of the individual. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is for you to be saved and not walk away from Him. 
There's no one ever too far gone. Psalms 42 and 3 says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. God made a way. You just have to accept the way. Can I tell you that your life may feel ruined, hated, abused, but God works in transformational business. Jesus offered transformational grace. Now I'm going to make a statement that probably half of you in this room are automatically going to turn me out, tune me out, turn your spiritual hearing aids off and say, I ain't never going to hear that man preach ever again, heretic. But listen to what I'm about to say. Do I have to stop smoking, drinking, carousing, sinning to be a Christian? No. No, you don't. You say, well, pastor, that's not true. No, because if you have to stop it before you get saved, then salvation is a work base. And we know that it is not by works lest any man should boast. But when you become a Christian, the Bible said, let this mind be in you with Christ Jesus. He will transform you so you won't want to smoke and drink and sin and carouse. It's not that you have to stop it before you come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, Jesus will make everything all right. All he needs you to do is come to him, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't need you to fix yourself. He needs you to get to him. He'll fix you up. He'll take care of you. You can walk in drunk as a skunk and leave sober as a saint. You just got to decide to come walking in drunk as a skunk. Because when you really get saved, you won't want the things of this world because God will replace the desires of the flesh for the things of spirit. I'm not saying you won't still have days that you struggle. But I'm telling you, the Bible said, Greater is he that's in me than he that lives in this world. There is a rock, the Bible says, there is a rock that I can go to that is higher than I. There is a balm of Gilead. There is a place that I can run to. Oh, when my soul is downtrodden and cast down, I can look up to the hills. From which cometh my help, for my help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Bible said, many are they that increase that trouble me, and many are they that rise up against me. And many of them that say of, my, of me, there is no help for him and God. But the psalmist took a little praise break. He got a little Pentecostal and started dancing. He said, but for thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, and the glory and the lifter of my head. I lay myself down to sleep and I slept like a baby for the Lord sustained me I cried up unto him and out of his holy hills he heard me can I tell you whether you're Baptist you're Methodist you're Presbyterian you're Pentecostal I'm telling you Jesus is the only way he's the only begotten son of the father he's the only way to make it to heaven and there's not a soul Jesus cannot save there's just not four years after the great Titanic sank there was a reunion of their survivors there was a story told of a prominent man who was asked to give his version of that dreadful night at this reunion being held in Halifax, Canada. He was one of the survivors of the shipwreck. He told the story of one particular person who didn't make it, a guy by the name of John Harper. John Harper was a Scottish preacher who was on board the Titanic with his sister and six-year-old daughter. The survivors later reported and confirmed that as the Titanic began to sink, Harbor admonished people to be prepared to die. He made sure his sister and his daughter were in a lifeboat safely as he stayed behind to help others and continue to share the gospel with them as the boat went underneath the waters. He found himself in the icy waters with a life jacket floating near a man and Harper screamed out, Are you saved? The desperate man replied, No, I'm not. 
Harper said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved. The report says that Harper, knowing he could not survive very long in the icy waters, took off his life jacket and he threw it to the man who said he was not saved. He said, you need this more than I. I know where I'm going. Moments later, Harper disappeared beneath the icy waters. Amidst the hush of the crowd in this reunion, the man's demeanor began to change as tears streamed down his face. The man speaking and recounting this story to the large crowd said the man John Harper was talking to before he disappeared beneath the two and a half miles of water was me. The crowd went silent. The man continued. His message was about why Jesus came to die for sinners like me. While wiping tears from his eyes, this man said, I was the one who received John Harper's life jacket. But that night I was saved twice. The first time I was saved when Harper threw his lifeline of hope to me. Secondly is when I asked Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my heart. The gospel may not have spared John Harper from drowning in the ocean, but it sure saved me from spending eternity to never thank the man who saved my life. I'm telling you, God still saves for his people. Let me move quickly. Thirdly, I've never met a heart God can't heal. I don't know a heart God can't heal. We know that God can see our hearts. We know that he sees our heartaches and our pain. When Samuel went to go anoint David, he is walking through the midst and he's trying to look for Saul and for David. He's anointing these kings and all of these things. And in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, as Samuel's trying to find these kings of Israel, the Lord says this to Samuel, Do not look at the appearance and the height of the stature, because I rejected him. For man, for the Lord does not see as a man. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart. It is easy to say that God knows all things, sees all things. The heart is a place where decisions are made. Motives and actions are born. Many pretend they're okay on the outside, but really they're hurting on the inside. They're wounded. They're offended. They're irritated. Nobody else sees the heart of the matter, but God can. Psalms 51 and 17 says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O Lord my God. I'm telling you, there's not a heart God can't fix. You see, when you feel like no one cares, no one's there, no one has any time for you, I'm telling you, God knows exactly where you are. According to Luke 6 and 45, out of the abundance of the heart, that is where our mouth speaks. Fourthly, I've never seen, I don't know that God has ever seen a tear he can't dry. God doesn't know a tear that he doesn't know how to dry. Psalms 4, 147 and 3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Sometimes life is relentless, throwing every curveball, hardship, detour. Wounds feel deep. They never seem to heal. There may be people in this house or watching online feel wounded and betrayed already right now by others, by family, by friends. Your heart aches. You're shattered beyond repair. God is not worried if he can fix it or if you can make it through. He's already working to see you through the situation. The Bible says we are to take care of widows and orphans and the disenfranchised. God does not see color. He does not see creed. He does not see nationality, but he sees a heart in need. Can I tell you whether you're red, 
yellow, black, and white. They're precious in His sight. We all bleed red. The heart pumps everything red. I've never seen anybody that's blood was a different color than some kind of shade of red. Even the precious Son of God, when He bled on Calvary's cross, He bled crimson red. I'm telling you, beyond a shadow of a doubt today, that you can cry, but tears are a language God understands. There's not been a tear that's hit your pillowcase. There's not been a tear you shed in a parking lot in your car. There's not been a tear that's stained an altar somewhere in your church that God did not take recognition of. You can cry out to God, and you can bet your bottom dollar He hears you when you cry. He hears you. He doesn't forsake us when others do. He's always by our side. He's no respecter of persons. Second Kings chapter 20, we're told of a story of a king by the name of Hezekiah who has been told by the prophet Isaiah to get your house in order because you're going to die. What an encouraging word. The preacher comes by your house and said, I want to come by and visit you. Okay, by the way, you're dying. Not how they like to see the preacher. Isaiah has already left and he's walking back through the corridors of the palace halls. The Bible said Hezekiah turns his face toward the wall and he cries out to God. He cries out to God. Tears. You say, how do you know that? Because in verse 3 it said Hezekiah wept bitterly. I mean, this ain't just a little cry. This is like ugly cry. Mascara running, puffy eyes. I mean, he is crying. Know what he's crying? God, don't you remember? I'm the one that came. I got the houses of Israel back in order. I'm the one that got rid of the idols. God, I, I'm the one that was trying to do everything to get this nation to follow you. As he was praying, God was moving. He never heard God speak to him, but the man of God heard the voice of God speak to him. Because as Isaiah is getting ready to push the door of the palace, or he pushed out the door of the palace wall of the, from the palace walls, the Bible says that he gets a little gut check in his spirit and says, Isaiah, turn around. Hezekiah is still in there praising and worshiping the Lord. He said things like this. Hezekiah said, Lord, if I die, the grave cannot praise you. They can't cry out to you. Nobody can do this, Lord. If I'm dead, who's going to worship you? While he's talking to God, God's working on his behalf. Can I tell you, you may not always see God moving, but even when you don't feel like he's moving, even when you don't think he's moving, he's moving. You don't always have to see the bigger picture. You just got to know he's got it in the, all in the palm of his hand. And while he's praying, the man of God turns around and he begins to walk back into the room. He opens the door. Hezekiah turns around. He looks at the man of God and says, What are you doing back so soon? And he said, I have got another word from the Lord. What the Lord said that he has heard your cry. He heard what you said. He's heard your prayer. And he's going to add 15 more years to your life. This disease shall not take you out. You're going to recover. He said, I'm going to make the sun basically back up on the sundial and regress on the steps to show you God's God. And the Bible said Hezekiah got up that day, bandaged his wounds, and went to the house of the Lord and worshiped the Lord. Can I tell you, when you cry, when God moves, the best thing you can do is get to the house of the Lord and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, you heard me again. Thank you, you've done it again. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. Romans 8, 28 tells us all things work together for good to them that love God and called according to his purpose. Miss Carol, as you make your way, and I'm going to finish with this last one. 
Not only does God not know a life he can't love, a soul he can't save, a heart he can't heal, a tear he can't dry, but can I tell you there's no place God can't be. See, some of you in here, you went through CLM, you had to come to us. You came to the road out here. You went on these, some of you in the double wide, some of you in the new houses. Some of you ladies in here went right across the street from the high schools and the Christian schools on Maine, and you've had to learn to be roomies. You came to us. God brought you to us. But can I tell you, before you ever got to us, God got to you. When you were in, I think it was sister, our sister tonight that talked about she was from North Carolina. Brother Wendell, who went through CLM, him and his, he and his family are from North Carolina. They're part of my church family here. I love him and Sister Mary to, de- to death. I would do anything for them. But before her sons, her daughters said, Mama, you got to get in from North Carolina to South Carolina. Before she ever packed up the car, God already had been in North Carolina. The Bible said God starts working all things out for our good behind the scenes. He's already setting things in order. Whether you're from Jamestown, North Carolina, South Carolina, you're from another part of the world, Florida, wherever you may hail from, you may not know where God is sometimes, but God always knows where you are, where you are every time. He knew when you were drunk laying in the street, He knew what street you were on when your family didn't know where you were at. When you shot up with the drug and you went into a black state or you went into a, a, a state of not knowing anything or this, this, this euphoric state, even when you didn't know where you were, you were in some zombie land, God knew where you were. When you didn't know what Change Lives Ministries was, God knew He could change your life no matter what anybody else had to say about it. There's not a place God doesn't know. He doesn't have to use his GPS because he gets lost. God doesn't ever type in, I wonder where Tommy is and let Google find him or find my friends. God, God doesn't put locating devices on you because he's worried about losing you. God doesn't put spiritual backpacks with leashes on you so you don't run off in the mall. Because the Bible says his eyes roam to and fro over the earth. He knows exactly where you are. He's everywhere. The Lord, Psalmist said in Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him and to all who call upon him in truth. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro of the earth, showing himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Am I a God that's only close at hand, says the Lord, according to Jeremiah 23 and 23? No, I'm also a God of far away. At the same time, I can be wherever you need me to be. There's never been a life God couldn't love. God doesn't know a soul he cannot save. God doesn't know a heart he cannot fix. God doesn't know a tear he cannot dry. God doesn't know a place where you've ever been that he wasn't there with you. You say, well, Pastor, how is that possible? I mean, you had church on Sunday morning today. How could he be with you and at Victory and Mount Olivet and Santee Circle Community and with our brothers and sisters who maybe are out there living in sin? That's why he's so awesome. God can do with things exceedingly and abundantly above that which I can think or comprehend. God can't do things in my timeline. He's above time. 
So here's my challenge to you today before I give the invitation. I told you a few things God doesn't know. But I do want to tell you a couple things that I know that I want you to know. Number one, God loves you. He died for you. Number two, God didn't let you find ministries like CLM to only get through a 13-week get-me-over punch. He brought you to CLM to do exactly what it said, to change your life forever for Jesus Christ. I also tell you, God does not save you to let you be lazy. God saved you to employ you. I tell our church here all the time, the Holy Spirit is not meant for my enjoyment. He's meant for my employment. Because the Bible says this, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come. And when you be endued with power from the Holy Spirit, you go into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world and you compel them to come. I'm not talking about Pentecostal theology. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's not about some spiritual uh, euphoric place that you can go to be better than somebody else. It's about you go and find other lost people to meet Jesus. That's why He came. Fourthly, God came by this place whether it's through the ministry of CLM or you came on your own volition to support somebody or you just dropped in this house. God came by to remind me, remind you through me to tell you you don't have to leave the same way you walked in here tonight either. Because there may be someone's life in here that hadn't been changed yet but it can be changed now whether it's through CLM or just the power of Jesus Christ. You can leave here different than you walked in this place tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to simply just ask one, two questions. Number one, I'm going to ask if there's someone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and the full pardoning of their sins, and they would like to make sure that they are ready to meet Jesus should he call them home. They'd like to make him Lord and Savior of their life. They want to confirm that with him today. If you're not sure you're ready to meet Jesus and you'd like to pray that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you in front of everybody, but will you just slip your hand up wherever you are so that I can acknowledge you today? Are there any? God bless you, my brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. My final question is this. You say, Pastor, I came to this house tonight, but I have a need. No one else may even know about it, or those that know about it are few, but I have a sincere need.